KCRW sponsors include Make It Universal and Rotten Tomatoes, presenting Scene on the Screen with Jacqueline Coley, a new podcast about the people at NBC Universal and the movies that define them. Available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This is KCRW. I'm Madeline Brand. Time now for your weekend movie reviews. We have a couple biopics, a thriller, and of course, a rom com. Joining me to tell us what to watch and what to skip is film critic Christy Lemire. Hi, Christy. Hello. Also joining us, Alonzo Duralde. They both co-host the YouTube channel Breakfast All Day. Hey, Alonzo. Hello. Okay, let us begin with Priscilla. This is from Sofia Coppola, a biopic of Priscilla Presley, played by Kaylee Spaney. And Euphoria's Jacob Elordi plays Elvis. And here's a clip. Hi. What's your name? Priscilla Boyer. You like Elvis Presley? Of course. Who doesn't? What are the kids listening to these days? Bobby, Darren, Fabian, and you. <laughs> Just what is the intent here, Mr. Presley? You got women throwing themselves at you. Why my daughter? Well, sir, I happen to be very fond of your daughter. All right, Alonzo. Uh, she was 14 years old when he met her. Yes. Uh, tell us more about this movie. <laughs> So this is uh, Sofia Coppola working from Priscilla Presley's memoir. And, you know, the story of Priscilla Presley, I think, really fits well into the kind of movies that Sofia Coppola makes. You know, she 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 has a, a series of films that I would call Woman Ensconced. And, and Priscilla Presley uh, meets Elvis at 14 and they begin sort of a long distance courtship. But within a couple of years, she has moved to Memphis before even finishing high school and is living in Graceland. And even though Elvis isn't always around, um, she is kind of already in his world in a strange way and that you know she's at high school but other people know that she lives at elvis's house and she can't even sit in the front yard and play with her dog because tourists are always coming by and looking through the gate so she is plunged into this world that is that is alien to her but she genuinely falls for elvis and he at first um, when he's around seems to be very attentive and loving, but as the years pass, uh, he becomes more controlling. He spends long times away from Memphis, you know, making movies and whatnot while expecting her to uh, stay home and, and you know, be be shuttered. And uh, eventually you sort of see what happens with their relationship and, and how it falls apart. And, you know, I think the movie is in a lot of ways compassionate towards the fact that Elvis also lived in this strange bubble um, where he couldn't really go anywhere or, or, you know, hang out with people because he was constantly surrounded by screaming fans. But, you know, for Priscilla, you know, she was sort of stuck as the adjunct to all of that and um, also had to deal with his, you know, uh, forms of abuse and and um, you know, dealing with uh, the substance abuse problem that would eventually end his life. Mm. Wow, interesting. And so as a movie, uh, did you like it? Did you enjoy the, the acting, the directing? I did. Uh, Kaylee Spaney, you know, has been around uh, as an up and comer, but I think this is really going to be a breakthrough role for her. And Jacob Elordi, uh, you know, certainly no easy feat to 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 step into the platform rhinestone shoes of Elvis so soon after Austin Butler, you know, did it so well. But I think they're both really extraordinary. And Kaylee Spaney, especially, 
you see her credibly age over the course of about 15 years from this very sheltered teenage girl to you know the 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 woman that we know with the false eyelashes and the mm-hmm. and the bouffant the hair bouffant. um but you know it's, it's 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 a very empathetic performance you understand this this woman and why she's placed herself in this position and why she ultimately feels like she has to leave it and i think sofia coppola is sort of uniquely qualified to tell that kind of story and she does so very well Interesting. Christy, uh, Alonzo just mentioned the Baz Luhrmann film about Elvis. How does this add to the Elvis of, if you will? It, it's so funny. Elvis feels like kind of an idea here, you know, and, and that seems intentional in that he's, you know, larger than life, but also kind of elusive. You know, there are wisps of him as far as his iconography and you know little touches into parts of his history that are that are so famous but this is a very lush film in terms of its production design and the cinematography so there's a, a gauzy kind of hazy dreamlike state that we're in which makes sense for this bubble that Priscilla is in like it, it feels like a dream and yet she is trapped within it and the costume design tells such a story of her evolution from being this wide-eyed schoolgirl to being, as Alonzo says, like, you know, the, uh, the cat eye and the bouffant as, as we come to know her to be. Sofia Coppola is so wise to just let us watch her watching everything else. She becomes our guide into this sparkling and ultimately nightmarish world. Um, but it takes a departure from that bubble in a way that felt kind of jarring to me from a narrative perspective. And then it just kind of ends. But Kelly Spaney is terrific throughout and as believable as a 14 year old as she is as a 29 year old if you love Sofia Coppola's work this is very much of a piece with that interesting okay Priscilla in wide release now next up is David Fincher's new crime thriller it's called The Killer starring Michael Fassbender as a professional assassin my process is purely logistical if I'm effective because of one simple fact. I don't give a Ooh, I don't give a fincher is what he meant to say, <laughs> I think. Right, Christy? So <laughs> David Fincher, of course, known for Fight Club, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, Gone Girl, these very intense thrillers. What did you think of this one? Oh, I totally dug it. Oh, it's it's beautiful. It's like richly, slickly empty and enjoyable. And I, I loved so much about it the whole way through, starting with Michael Fassbender's performance. Um, there's a, a cool inscrutability about him and his persona in general, but in particular here, that is just so perfect. And it's based on a French graphic novel. And so what we have going along for a long time here is his running monologue in his head. He is a hitman. He's on a job in Paris. He's sitting in this empty, abandoned office building, looking across the way at his target and waiting to take his shot. And there's a, a mantra that he goes through that you know defines his ethos, how he does his job. He's very serious about his job. He is the titular killer. He has no name. Um, and so when that, that job goes wrong, the rest of the film is him trying to follow the trail of why that happened and trying to get to the bottom of what's really going on here. Um, yeah, I totally dug it. And increasingly with the with the interior monologue, which in sometimes can be annoying in other kinds of films. 
Here it works so well because as you go along, there's this increasing disparity between what he is telling himself in his mind is how he runs his business and the reality of what is happening in the outside world and how he reconciles those two and the increasing tension and dark comedy that results from that chasm. So it's it's a really, really well-made, well-written, well-acted, just sort of empty escape. And there's one tremendous mm. scene between him and Tilda Swinton. Oh, wow. Okay, well, now I'm in, now that you mentioned Tilda Swinton. Alonzo, mm -hmm. this sounds a lot like Le Samurai that starred Alain Delon, low those many years ago, but it also sounds like Barry. Uh, yes, I mean, those are certainly connections you could draw. I would say the difference is that uh, Fincher's not really interested in this guy as a person, as a character. It's interesting that the, that the clip you played, he talks about process, because for me, what works best about this movie is the process of it all, the way that he kind of breaks down his strategy. And like, there's nothing glamorous about any of this. You know, he doesn't have you know, Q, uh, uh, hand him, you know, the gadgets, he gets things off of the internet, you know? Uh, mm. and, and so the, the, the quotidian, here's how this job works part is really interesting, but I don't think Fincher has any particular interest in telling us anything about the psyche of the hired killer that we haven't explored in countless other movies or TV shows. And if you're okay with that, and if you are just here to watch somebody who is good at what he does and, want to know all the, the the inner workings of how he does it you'll get that but if you want to care about this person as a person uh that's not really what this movie is about he himself has said it's a b movie hmm. but a really well but, uh, made b movie with a yeah. score from like trent reznor and atticus ross which is nice. haunting and mysterious so it's, it's but, really a well-made b movie but a lot, but B movies also can give you characters, you know. So I mean, uh, <laughs> let's be clear. The killer is in limited release now and will be on Netflix beginning November tenth. Moving on to a romantic comedy called What Happens Later, starring Meg Ryan and David Duchovny as ex lovers who get snowed in in an airport overnight. Hello, Wilhelmina. Hello, William. How have you been? Oh, for the last 20 years? 25, maybe. I've been 49 forever and ever and wow, ever. Wow, lucky you. I feel like I've been in my 50s since my 20s. <laughs> That's so true. Now, you don't have to agree with me. Attention, Boston and Austin passengers. Those flights have been delayed until further notice. Just those two flights? Just us. Yes. That's unbelievable. unbelievable. Christy, it does sound unbelievable. Also, when you watch the trailer, <laughs> there is no one else in the airport, which also sounds unbelievable. But what did you think of this one? Well, they are being held in this magical realist spell within this regional Midwestern airport during a snowstorm. Um, this is very much a throwback to the kinds of like 90s rom-coms that made Meg Ryan a superstar. She also directed this film. She also co-wrote it. It is based on a play. And the fact that there is nobody else in the airport <laughs> definitely <laughs> gives it a feeling of a, a play on film. And that isolation is intentional and that increasing surreal quality is intentional. So um, Meg Ryan plays a woman named Willa, who is kind of a middle-aged version of a manic pixie dream girl. She does stuff in the healing arts. She is flying to Boston. She runs into David Duchovny, whose name is Bill, and they haven't seen each other in uh, 25 years. And he is a very buttoned-down corporate type, very emotionally detached, kind of quick with a sardonic one-liner or a zinger. And so over the course of this evening, 
because they're both stuck in this airport because of the snowstorm. They reconnect and they bicker and banter and rehash old regrets and flirt. And it feels very familiar. It is dedicated to Nora Ephron. And I think she's trying to achieve that kind of like sweet and spiky and like laughter through tears kind of vibe that those films gave us. Um, A lot of this is very familiar. These are very familiar types, but both of these actors are such pros and they have such a a nice, lively and also tender chemistry that they find inspired avenues into dialogue that might've been kind of clunky, kind of insipid in other people's hands. So I think it's a, a good, nice, comforting film. She's got an eye for detail for some sweet moments some some romantic moments it's uh it's comforting and nice comforting and nice okay alonza do we want to spend some time in the airport with meg and david wow well i'll tell you on paper this is my kind of movie i i love a two people trapped somewhere and having to talk about you know rehash the past and 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 you know communicate with each other but man that i find these characters insane sufferable um the the, they're written so artificially they're such types and everything that they say to each other feels so crafted and calculated that not for a second did i really believe either of them as genuine human beings who had had a relationship and were dealing with life's tragedies you know yes meg ryan uh, did some great work with nora efren she also did um hanging up which is a movie i defy anyone to watch now um and this would fall <laughs> into that category of nice try uh, and talented people involved but oof that script needed a lot more work <laughs> Oof. Okay. What happens later in wide release beginning today? Last, we have another biopic, this of civil rights activist Bayard Rustin, central in organizing the March on Washington. And he was also a gay man and he was out, which complicated his relationship with other civil rights leaders at that time. He's played here by Coleman Domingo. This new generation is restless and angry. The pacifist is opposed to using violence, but must be prepared to receive it. You're irrelevant. It's Friday night. I've been called worse. Your mere presence could derail the fight for racial justice in this country a good 10, 15 years. On the day that I was born black, I was also born a homosexual. Okay, Alonzo, this film is directed by the playwright and director George C. Wolfe. What did you think? Well, you know, it's funny because film critics get asked this kind of question a lot. For years, people would say, what historical figure do you most want to see a biopic made of? And my answer was always Bayard Rustin. Uh, And so I'm thrilled that this movie finally exists. Uh, I will say that it is not rewriting the rules of the biopic, but I think it is an effective one. It does focus on his architecture of the March on Washington and bringing the the sort of disparate parts of the movement together and dealing with the fact that there were many powerful people in the uh, Black Civil Rights Movement, particularly Roy Wilkins of the NAACP, played by Chris Rock, um, who at first did not really want the march to happen at all. And then once it was sort of inevitable, did not want Rustin to be readily associated with it because of the fact that he was a gay man. He had been a member of the Communist Party, even though he had denounced them later and was himself a controversial figure. But he is an essential figure in the American civil rights movement and a gay man. And I think this is a story that not enough people know. So I'm thrilled 
that this movie is out there and that by Rustin will become more uh, uh, known to people as a, a, a key part of this historical movement. The performances are, are uniformly great and it's a, it's an extraordinary ensemble led by uh, Coleman Domingo, who I think has just been giving such great work lately uh, in film and television. I mean, he, you know, his, his, he goes back to the theater decades ago uh, and is, is just, uh, this is, this is an electrifying performance. And I think really brings this historical figure to life. We're going to be seeing him later this year as Mr. In the uh, color purple musical. So I think uh, he's going to be having a very interesting award season. Okay. Coleman Domingo, Christy, what did you think of this movie? Yeah, Coleman Domingo is always great. He's got just a singular presence. Electrifying is a great word for it. At first, in the beginning of this movie, as I'm watching it, like it's so intentionally over the top as far as his larger than life persona that I'm like, I can't tell whether this is awesome or terrible. I cannot decide yet because it's so in your face and it's so it's just so performative. And then as it settles down and you see all the colors and all the shadings and everything that he's able to do in depicting this character, um, I liked it a lot better. It is an incredible cast. It's like Glenn Turman and CCH Pounder and Audra McDonald is awesome as Ella Baker. Um, I want to mention Adrian Warren, who is great as Elias Taylor's wife. Like she has one incredible scene on the phone. Mm. <laughs> but I think the theatricality of, of George Seawolf, who also did Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, um, it gives this a staginess and almost a detachment at times. A lot of times mm. I felt like I was watching people saying important things about history to each other rather than watching human beings truly interacting. You do get some of the latter as well, um, especially as I think it's more effective focusing on him as a gay man struggling to assert himself within the civil rights movement. I think it's, it's more effective about his story personally than it is about everything. I almost wouldn't have even shown the March on Washington. I almost would have like ended it right as that's beginning because we have seen these images so many times that it almost feels a little hollow when that comes. And there's so much more that precedes it that's so much more emotionally impactful. But um, if you don't know the story, for that alone, it's worth seeing. Rustin in limited release now and streaming on Netflix beginning November 17th. Well, if you want more of Christy and Alonzo, head over to the YouTube channel Breakfast All Day. They co-host it. Christy Lemire also writes for RogerEbert.com and Alonzo Duralde also hosts the movie podcast Linoleum Knife. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. KCRW sponsors include Make It Universal and Rotten Tomatoes, presenting Scene on the Screen with Jacqueline Coley, a new podcast about the people at NBC Universal and the movies that define them. Available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.